1: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630
2: Chad. All right, they're just working on the final totals for Santa's Day on 630 Chad in support of 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous. They did have a anonymous donation of five thousand dollars come in before seven o'clock we just had chelsea lagrange on inside sports from the buchanan family foundation which gave 100 grand we're hoping to get to three hundred thousand dollars for for the day from seven to seven we were at 270 when we broke for the news and uh they're gonna let me know the total as soon as they have it I don't mind that I got to wait because that means there's probably a lot of numbers to add up and I don't have a problem with that. Thanks to everybody who, who uh, chipped in today. You can still donate or uh, look for information on how to help. at satisanonymous.ca. Thanks to our power hour supporters today, Sky Eye Measurement Sentinel Storage, Danielle's SOS Bookkeeping Services and Leading Edge Physiotherapy. We had Wyatt McLeod on the show. You heard from Johnny Boychuk, who hung up the blade's Last week after 13 years in the NHL, we're going to talk elk later on. That is a possible new name for the green and gold. So we've been talking a lot about elk on the show. We were playing elk sounds last night. So we're going to find out more about elk for real with a guy who knows that's between 7:30 and eight, but I'm pleased to welcome back to inside sports and he's probably thinking like, my goodness, Wilkins, uh, you're doing a, a Santa's radiothon and uh, an elk and retired defenseman all in the same show. Yes, Hal Gill, that's what we're doing tonight, baby, and you're gonna roll with it.
3: You guys do it all. I, <laughs> I like it. Touch, touch them all. You know, if you got a topic, we're gonna talk about it. Good for you. I like the, I like what you're doing.
2: <laughs> that's awesome, buddy. Well, I, I love that you made time for us. Thanks for hopping on the show on December 1st, where uh, we haven't seen a, a hockey game that counted in a couple of months. How, how are you keeping busy? Like, are you in the best shape of your life or maybe maybe the worst shape of your life?
3: <laughs> well, we just had American Thanksgiving, so uh, this is the Monday after that, after a gluttonous weekend. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I, I did my workout. I'm actually pretty excited. We, we are going to cover, as a broadcaster, The Preds broadcast crew is going to cover a a high school hockey game here in Nashville. So uh, we're pretty excited about that tomorrow. You know, if we don't have NHL, we'll find some hockey to cover. So we're getting ready for that, but uh, still looking for some Preds hockey to come
2: around. Uh, okay, so is this, is it? A, I guess it's not a playoff game. Is it kind of a, a rivalry game or just one that they've they found for you guys to cover? Because that's awesome. That's going to be a great experience for the players and the families.
3: Yeah, no, it's cool. It's been a tough year. These, a lot of these kids aren't going to have their prom. They're not going to have, I mean, look, look at all the kids and how they're missing out on so many things. Uh, we're available. <laughs> we're not busy. So uh, we figured we'd go out and call one of their games and, And get it out there, and so it's going to be fun. I think it's uh, you know it's it's not necessarily a rivalry, but you know it's it's a game, and these kids are going out there working hard, having fun, and so we want to cover some hockey. Stay sharp, so we're going to go out there and cover.
2: (laughs) So high school hockey, and I I I know there is junior hockey in the states, but I don't think it's as widespread as Canada. So would high school hockey sort of be like? maybe tier two junior hockey here? I don't think it would be quite on the level as major junior.
3: No, no, it's, it's uh it's a lower level. It's, it's, there's maybe five or six kids that do play double a uh, club that, that join their team and join their high school. But it's, uh, it's really a good chance for, for kids that just want to have fun and play hockey to, to get out there and play for their school. So it's, it's, it's not Minnesota level. Nashville is coming along and, we're trying to catch up to those guys, but uh, that's a high bar to set. But we're um, we're we're just going out having some a good time playing some hockey, and, and uh, the kids have a, a ton of fun. Usually, there's more fans than junior hockey because you know they get their schools to come out. But uh, with COVID times, it's been a little tough. So we're going to broadcast it for them.
2: Well, awesome uh, for you and Pete to do that. So have fun doing that for sure. You know, the, the a couple times you as a player had to had to wait to get going because of work stoppages, not because of a, a pandemic. But I mean, the 405 season was wiped out kind of right in the middle of your career. Re- remind everybody where you went because I, I know you were one of many NHLers. You went overseas in 405 Remind us where you went and sort of sum up the experience if you can.
3: Yeah, it was kind of a crazy time. I was uh, very involved with the PA, and so I was hoping that something would get done, but I kind of knew it was a ways away. So I agreed to play in Finland for Luko Rauma in a small little town, 40,000 people in Rauma, Finland. And uh, I had a great time. I really enjoyed myself. Uh, but, you know, you look back at the, the amount of money that we lost and the amount of uh experience and nhl experience and, and games played uh you know i hope that doesn't happen again I, that that was a, a sad time uh we made the best of it and and had a great time in finland but uh i i certainly don't want to see that again
2: Were there and i, I want to talk to you about what's going on currently were there a lot of nhlers in the Finnish league you're in but 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 in general how were you and other guys received over there
3: uh, very well. I, I think they enjoyed it. It was kind of funny because you know they ex- they don't know too much. Uh, you know they know NHL players are supposed to be great, so they put me right in the slot in the power play, expecting me to pump in one-timers. I, I said, <laughs> you know that's, that that might not be my game, uh, but it, it you know it it's, uh, it it was fun to go over there. There's a couple guys that were in that league. I remember Jody Shelley was uh, over there. And uh, he came up to me and said, "How's it going?" And the game got chippy, and and he said, looked over at me. And he go, I said, "Hey, big boy, I don't, I don't want to. If, if there's gonna be a fight, I'm gonna have to fight you. I, I don't want to do that." And he said, "Hey, I'm just here to work on my skills." So <laughs> we we went out and played hockey and let the <laughs> let the kids fight it out.
2: All right. Well, Jody's a frequent contributor on this show as well. And uh, and like you, he has a lot of good stories, too. Hal Gill, former NHL defenseman, <laughs> joining on the show now, a broadcaster in the National Predators booth. So you touched on what they're going through now, and you mentioned you were involved with the PA when you played. So I'm wondering what you make of this. They, they came up with the deal in the summer, and now it's it's being revisited. Look, obviously no one wants the season to be wiped out, but here we are December 1st and there's no start date, no training camp date. Clearly they're not making January 1st uh, at this rate. What What do you make of, of what the players have are kind of being asked here to defer more money and or put more money into escrow?
3: Yeah, it's it's kind of a crazy situation. And, you know, COVID has brought, the, you know, this whole pandemic has brought a whole new light on everything and everyone's relooking really looking at how they do business and the NHL is the same way. Uh, the problem is I think the NHL looked at worst case scenarios and said, Hey, we'll, we'll give you 80% of your salary and we'll defer 10%. And the players said, okay, that, that sounds like a, a fair deal. And now that was to get the bubble, you know, to, to create a, a working environment that the players were happy with. Uh, and and I think the players were kind of, you know, saying, "Hey, we'll we'll go into the bubble, we'll we'll do this," but on the back end, you got to take care of us. And and now it's a little discouraging that the owners are are pulling back from that and looking for different options. At the same time, I I totally understand the owners, and, and you know, like this is this is uncharted waters, and and they're trying to figure out how they run their business and how they can make money doing this. Uh, In the end, it's about making money. If you can't have fans watching games and how are you going to make money? And so I understand what they're doing, but uh, I I do hope that they honor this deal and, and, and do something to make it work. Uh, You know, there's always a give and take. There's always something that the players want. And, and there's always something that the owners want. And so, They just have to make it work so that the fans don't get shorted of a season because I I know like most people, we want to sit down and and watch sports and we can't get out of our house and we can't run around and do the things we're normally used to. Uh, Wouldn't it be great to sit down and watch hockey on a cold winter night? And so I, I hope that happens.
2: Yeah. Hal. I want to throw you a couple other ones here and, you know, th- thanks for doing this, this part of it too. And, and I, you know, I thought it was very fair how he answered that le- last question. It has been written through some of this that to the NHL PA escrow is the filthiest word in the dictionary as someone who is in the, the PA shoes. Like is, is that fair? Is that is it, is that word is escrow, that abhorrent to the players?
3: You, you know why it's awful is because players uh, initially we didn't understand it I remember and this is this is uh not something I'm proud of, but we have a bunch of players sitting in a room going, "Okay, escrow. I remember one guy turned to me and said, "What does the s stand for?" and I was like uh you know i i, I went to four years of college and i'm I didn't really understand what escrow was, but I knew it was I knew it was a one word. I didn't I didn't think it was two words with an s to start it. Um so we had to learn about it. You know like uh, for for owners this is just normal business. And for players we're looking at it going all right you'll take some money, you know, okay, you take you know we were thinking 5 to 10% and then we'll get it back at the end of the season. And it slowly crept in at 14%, then 18%. And next thing you know, you're you're losing a lot of your salary. And, uh, you know, you're in – everyone knows how much money you make. You make $2 million, well, everyone knows it. Well, you don't make $2 million. You make uh, 20% less. And, and it was kind of a slap in the face. And I think the players have gotten smart, and now they – They know what it's all about. They've been around it and they've experienced it. They've seen their paychecks go down. And so they're very in tune with what's going on. So I I don't think the owners can pull the wool over the player's eyes anymore. They know what's going on. Um, You know, when I was going through that, it was a learning curve. And and now they're sharp. So uh, they want to stand firm to it. And I totally get that because it really is an unfair situation. Um, it's it's part of the CBA and part of what was drawn up, but it doesn't make it, uh, you know, you can't just get bullied around. And, and I feel like the players really do have to make a stand on it because uh, as it goes right now, you know, the escrow could be, you know, 60%. <laughs> and, and you know, the players have to look at that and say, do we want to risk playing and traveling and leaving our families and exposing our families uh, and go play hockey when we're not going to make that much money. And and that's something very real, and it's very uh, matter-of-fact. And don't forget, uh, I think, you know, the owners have a franchise that they're protecting, and they have franchise values that they're protecting. And, uh, you know, if they miss a year, maybe it's not a big deal. But I'll tell you what, I, I miss the money that I would have made in 2004. I miss the money that I would have made in, in 2012 and 13, you know, those are, those are real dollars in a player's world. And so uh, they have to stand firm. They have to protect themselves, but they also have to make money when they can. So it's a difficult, you know, the whole thing for everyone involved, but uh, I, I hope they, they make it work for the, for the game's sake.
2: Hal, I I love how you explain that. And that's great firsthand perspective about what is going on. And I'm going to throw one more at you. As a talk show host, I hear a lot of opinions from listeners and fans. And sometimes people say, "Read the players have million-dollar contracts. The owners have billion-dollar businesses. Why are they squabbling? Figure it out and play. Everybody's going to do fine in the end. Do... Do the, do, the, like, do, the, do the players somewhat, though, or and owners, too, like do, do the NHL people somewhat have to be aware of that, though, that there is a public relations and a public um, image side to this? Perhaps, perhaps, you know, if fans do feel yeah. alienated, you know what I'm getting at?
3: Oh, absolutely, because, you know, if I... If I could play hockey right now and make a uh, hundred thousand dollars, I'd I'd go out and do it. If I could make twenty thousand dollars, I would go out and do it. But you know, when your value is you know two million dollars or eight million dollars, you want to make you want to make a fair amount of that. Uh, and the owners know that. The owners are making money. Um, I've always been a big believer in a fair market system and. Hey, if a guy's worth this much, pay him that much. You know, it's uh, if uh, you can get an actor for a movie and he's going to make you a billion dollars, there's nothing wrong with paying him twenty million dollars. That's nothing. Um, so it's all relative. It's all, and I, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like the fans have gone through this enough with all the CBAs that have been going on. I think they're smart and they see what's going on. Uh, at the same time, they just want to see hockey. So, you know, they they're just going, looking at billionaire owners and and million dollar players saying just play hockey. I you know, and and I understand that. I totally get that. And as a player, I got that and I wanted to play. Uh, but you also have to you stand up for yourself and you don't get you don't get pushed around. And and that's the hard part sometimes. Is you say, yeah, I I just want to play. And players want to play, and that's what they want to do. I was one of those guys, but you also have to you have to take care of yourself and and represent yourself well, and and that's the hard part. And I know I know some fans are never going to agree with that, and some fans will say, "Hey, I got your back." Um, either way, you still have to go out and do business because it is a business. In the end, it's it's your livelihood. It's what's putting food on your table, and and you have to take care of yourself.
2: Hell, that, that was an incredibly uh, thorough and, and honest, and I thought very balanced explanation of what is happening. So, so thank you for that tonight, man. Uh, it's always great to have you on the show. It's it's the, the comments you just made. Why we love having you on over and over again. Hey, all the best. Be it in the booth tomorrow for high school hockey, uh, and we'll talk. We'll talk down the road, hopefully about some actual games. Sound like a deal? Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Hey.
3: When it comes down to it, I need hockey. That's what's most important right now is is I need to get back calling games and having some fun and watching hockey and being a part of it. So I, I hope it comes around soon.
2: Right on. Take care, Hal. Thanks for having me, guys. Hal Gill, former NHL defenseman, now with the uh, Nashville Predators broadcast team. That that was really good. That was really good about what's going on here and uh, how the financials work for the players and the owners. we got to take a quick timeout, and then we will have the final total for Santa's Day on 630, Chad. The grand total for Santa's Day on 630, Chad. This all raised in one day from 7 this morning until 7 tonight. $281,404, $281,404, $281,404, $281,404, wow, that is amazing, thank you so much, that that exceeds our, our expectations, I, I can tell you, I've been getting messages from colleagues and, and people with 630 Shed, Santa's Anonymous throughout the show who are saying, Reid, make, sh- make sure you thank everybody, make sure you know how huge this is, uh, yeah it is it is huge and and you're gonna help twenty thousand kids or, or more you know celebrate Christmas help bring them some joy this year it's thank you so much and you can still pitch in find out more ways to help at santasanonymous.ca. two hundred and eighty one thousand dollars Wow we're gonna talk elk That's right baby we're talking elk. Could be a good team name. We got an elk expert on the show. Next. Black Ocean I am Thank you so much 281-404 Did I say that right? I'm so excited about it, I messed it up. $281,404 raised today, Santa's Day on 630 Ched, All in support of 630 Ched Santa's Anonymous. Don't forget, santasanonymous.ca to find out how you can help if you would still like to or uh, just more about the organization if maybe you're uh, you're new to Edmonton, new to the community, SantaSAnonymous.ca. You heard that ad playing as well for the Double E football team until end of day today. They're taking your excellent suggestions, esks.com slash name for the new name for the franchise won't be announced until into the new year we've talked about some possibilities on the show well the last few days i've thrown forward express as an option i can tell you that elk or elks is uh is for sure in the running I don't know what the list is down to, but that, that's definitely being considered. And we were talking about elk on the show last night. We even played some elk noises. I don't know if you still have those kicking around, Kellen, but we should throw those. Do we have the, let's hear let's hear the elk noise. Yeah,
1: already. are ready. Here we go. This is what we played last night.
2: Okay, so that's an elk. I, I did not know that's what they sounded like. There's probably a lot I don't know about elk. So what the heck? We're going to find out. Matt Besco is with Alberta Environment and Parks, and he is our elkologist. You're now Inside Sports as official elkologist, Matt. Welcome aboard.
0: Well, thanks. What an honor. I always wanted to become an elkologist.
2: <laughs> You're finally going <laughs> places. There you go. But, finally. Well, thanks. Thanks for checking in and rolling with this. Okay, I got to ask you, first of all, about that sound we played, because that surprised me. Is that a typical elk sound, or what are we looking at here? Yeah,
0: so what that's described as, or what that is, it's called a bugle, and it's a call used to establish dominance and challenges to other bulls during the rut or during the mating season, which occurs in Alberta uh, in elk populations in late August and September. It's, it's, it's actually a really amazing sound because it's kind of like a flute with a spiral, a spiral staircase of, of increasing um, pitch uh, sounds. And it's made by compressing air and then sending it through the glottis into the nasal airway. It's actually pretty intimidating.
2: So is that, do, do, do elk have a range of noises that they make then? Yeah, yeah. so that's the primary, you know, vocalization
0: that everyone associates elk with. But there's other calls that they use, especially in herd dynamics. They're a herd animal, so when they have these calls, uh, they, they can have cow calls and herd-tending calls, calls that, you know, warn um, other members of the herd that there may be a predator nearby. So they're actually quite vocal, especially for ungulates.
2: Okay. Well, so they sound like they're a relatively intelligent animal. Then.
0: Oh yeah, and I think it'd be a a really good name for a football team as well. These animals are big. They're fearless, strong. They're very resilient. They have amazing endurance, and uh, because they're a herd animal, they work well. I think as a team.
2: Okay, interesting stuff. Well, that, that now the plural is the plural elk or elks. Technically. Um, in the in the literature and
0: when we use it commonly it's elk but I think in terms of the proper English it would be elks but i oh. i I think if it would be used I think elk would probably be the, the best name for it. It's just the common uh plural form
2: of that okay so you think Edmonton elk would fit a little better then if you were picking i think
0: so, <laughs> okay. I think so. Uh, among among biologists and and uh, elk enthusiasts, the Alberta elks would uh, would uh,
2: seem kind of weird. Okay, so tell me a little bit about where in the world, not just in Alberta or Canada, w- we can find elk. Like, are they a pretty widespread animal, or are we talking about sure. a limited number?
3: No, we've
0: got about twenty six thousand in Alberta, and they occur um, pretty well throughout Western North America. But at the turn of the nineteenth and twentieth centuries. A lot of them occurred throughout um, most of North America. Um, Probably, you know, at a a latitude around Edmonton and south, and some other populations occurring in the Yukon and and so forth. But in the world, you have close relatives of the elk, such as the red deer, that occurs in Western Europe, and then you have. Kind of fraternal subspecies of the canadian elk or the american elk that occur in eurasia so it's quite a common uh, uh, genus and it's quite a common family of animals and they're they're really really interesting animals that occur globally
2: okay i'm gonna ask you maybe an odd question <laughs> i'm kind of laughing at myself just for asking this but i'll just phrase it this way how athletic are they <laughs> a great
0: question actually they're probably one of the most athletic uh, types of wildlife that we have here um, if you go out to elk island national park just east of the city um, there's an eight foot high fence and uh, usually that will keep uh, elk in there um, but it's been documented that uh, a mature elk can can leap over that and that's not bad for an animal that's between 450 you know pounds to a thousand pounds about 200 to 450 kilos so these are big strong animals they're extremely athletic um they occur over a wide variety of habitat types so in the rocks in the mountains as well as the plains they're originally a species of the plains but they're adaptable to almost anything they're extremely athletic and very very tough
2: Okay, and I wanted to ask you about that too. Matt Besco joining us on Inside Sports. He's with Alberta Environment and Parks talking about elk. So in the CFL, we have lions. The Stampeders are represented by a horse. We got tiger cats out east. So you're saying an elk would hold its own if it ever came down to yeah, reality no, in that situation.
0: Natural elk populations, especially mature bull elk and, uh, and, and mature cow elk, are more than adept at fending off predators such as wolves, uh, grizzly bears, and uh, cats, uh, especially tiger cats and, and lions that are from B.C. They're they're also really good at you know crushing alouettes and mythical Greeks trying to find golden fleece sheep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's awesome. So what's the story with uh, the elk? antlers is there sort of a cycle how large can they get i'm curious and by the way i'm going to apologize again i accidentally called them horns last night i i I know they're not horns it was just one time i know i know they're antlers. what's the story with the antlers badly if you call them horns.
0: no it's 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 a common it's a common mistake so the difference between horns and antlers is antlers are basically shed once a year so for elk and deer species in alberta um they'll grow the antlers throughout the spring and summer and uh as they grow they have a kind of a velvety vascular sheath to them that allows nutrients to get into nutrients and minerals to get into that uh those those growing antlers and by the late summer early fall you have hard antlers that are relatively uh, uh velvet free they maintain those hard antlers. They use them to spar and wrestle with, with other bulls to show size and dominance. And then, uh, after breeding season and after the harshness of winter um, occurs, then they will actually shed those antlers, and you can sometimes find them in the spring right after the snow melts in in elk habitat, and they'll shed those, and as soon as they start to shed those antlers, and they'll drop them sort of one at a time, they'll hit a tree or something, and then they'll lop
2: off. Then a new antler will begin growing. Okay. Amazing. I've, I've learned a lot. I'm starting to get more sold on the possibility of, of, uh, of elk as an ape. I think you kind of touched on this earlier, but do they generally hang out in, I don't know what you call a group of elk? Is it, is it a, herd, or? They're a yeah. herd?
0: They're a herd. They're a herding animal. There's actually a quite a defined hierarchy in the leadership there's usually a herd bull which is the most dominant bull in there and uh and and he's responsible basically for um maintaining the uh integrity and uh leadership of that herd especially during the rut and that breeding season then they'll form bachelor groups after the breeding is done and then you'll have a mature female uh, a herd cow that usually leads that group and uh it has an established hierarchy. The herd structure itself is very good at fending off predators. It's actually quite a quite an uh, interesting system.
2: How do how do they do it?
0: Oh, so if there's a if there's a predator like uh, a lone cat or um, a few wolves, they will they will. And they have a really interesting technique. So um, typically in the spring, when elk calves are born then they're quite vulnerable to predation and uh, if the predator keys onto those and they're able to separate those from the mature cows then um, they're pretty vulnerable. So a mature cow and others will keep on the watch out for that and usually the mature cow or one of the lead cows will um, provide a vocalization saying that there's a predator nearby and then that makes the herd relatively alert. And then, if predators show up, they'll, they'll they'll actually put the run on predators, and they'll lash out with their front hooves. So, if you're a you know, uh, if you're 400 some odd kilos, and you lash out with uh, with a long leg with a hard hoof on the end, it's kind of like a, a a really good hard Tyson punch, but magnified by 10. So uh, you 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 put a hoof to a to a cat or. Uh, to uh to a wolf
2: and that's pretty nasty matt this has been incredibly informative and i i've learned well I, pretty much everything you've told me tonight has been something new that i've learned so so thank you for that but i i'm pleased to hear that elk can jump an eight foot fence and how uh, aggressive they can be and how productive of their quote-unquote teammates they could be. I think elk has moved up my list of, of a possible name. So thanks for thanks for filling us in. Thanks for coming on a sports show. I don't know how many requests you get to do that, but this was really cool, Matt. Thank you so much for your time.
0: No, no worries, Reed. And, and my my parting gift is is uh, elk is one of the only species that can take a red block and turn them into a red and purple. It's
2: true. <laughs> 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 that is awesome. That is awesome. Thank you, Matt. Matt Besco is You're the welcome. director of wildlife policy for Alberta Environment and Parks. So there you have it. We we did it. We got an elk expert on. And Matt filled you in on where they live, uh, how they behave, what happens with the antlers. And uh I can tell you that 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 is something the double that that is one name for sure. I can tell you, the double E football team is considering as they uh, as they go through this process. You can go to esks.com slash name or use double E name time on social media to submit your excellent suggestion for the new team name. Agreeable Beaver says one more vote for changing your time slot to a two-hour hinterland who's who. Oh, just wait to see what we have next. we're, we're, we're We're taking the hinterland who's who idea one step further when we get back. Right, Curling Canada announcing today that they are, and this is the word that they used, Curling Canada says they aspire to hold the 2021 Scotties, Breyer, World Men's and Canadian Mixed Doubles at the Mark and McPhail Centre at Winsports Canada Olympic Park in Calgary. Dates announced later as Curling Canada will have to work with local, provincial, and national health authorities to set up the facility in a so-called bubble environment. So a curling bubble in Calgary for the Scotties, the Briar, the World Men's and the Canadian Mixed Doubles Championships, uh, TSN, will continue to carry those events. Uh, We'll talk a little more curling later on in the week. We did touch on this a few weeks ago with Mark. uh, I don't know, who do we have? Oh, it was Bosher we talked to about the possibility of a bubble for some of these big events. So Curling Canada is going to shoot for that. Hey, thanks for tuning in tonight. Thank you so much for chipping in. To 630 Chet, Santa's Anonymous, $281,000 raised today on Santa's Day on 630 Chet. And check out santasanonymous.ca if you'd still like to help in uh, any way that's possible as we count down to Christmas. It is December 1st. Man, that's awesome. All right, so uh, we had Johnny Boychuk on. We talked to Hal Gill. We talked to Wyatt McLeod. We just had Matt Besko on the show, Director of Wildlife Policy Alberta Environment and Parks, and he filled you in on elk, which is definitely being considered by the double-E football team for their next team name. Last night, we played you this. Here's the elk noise. At least one of the noises that elk can make, as, as Matt explained. So this leads us to something we're, uh, we're going to do on the show. Um. We're going to play Name the Animal. So Kellen's back at the 630 Ched Broadcasting Compound. Hey, everybody. He He's going to play some sort of animal noise. I don't know what it is, and then I'm going to try to guess the animal. So this really, you're about to hear it coming up, the pinnacle of Kellen and mine's broadcasting careers, playing Name the Animal live on 630 Ched inside sports perhaps the pinnacle moment and last moment of our broadcasting (laughs) careers depending on how it goes so again here's the premise just in case you didn't get it kellen's gonna play an animal noise i'll try and guess the animal this is not a listener contest (laughs) we would not subject you to that we'll just send you canned hams so we are You you have the animal noise ready Kellen. and the animal
1: noise is already to go I, I will just pre I guess I'm preface actually this by nervous say, yeah I'll preface this by saying that there is a bit of the animal noise in this clip and then it kind of dies out for about five seconds and then you'll hear it again but it's a bit of a softball tonight good luck oh, everybody oh wow. well jeez Quite a bit. It's gonna do something now. Yeah,
2: well, I hope so. This is. <laughs> wow. Wow. Is is it is it Bob Stauffer? <laughs> no, it isn't. Okay, is it a, is it a bird of some sort? It is not. It's. Oh, so ah. it, well, see, you shouldn't have said it was a softball. Now I'm all nervous about it. <laughs> Yo. What? No, that was just a little finger. Is it a, a four, is it a four-legged animal? It is a
1: four-legged animal. Yes.
2: Is it is it uh is it feline or it, feline-ish? It
1: is a feline. Yes, it would be qualified as a feline.
2: Okay. It's uh it be but it's not a house cat obviously. Oh no. <laughs> this this it, would consume your house is, cat. Is it a bobcat? Uh think bigger. Uh is it a cougar?
1: Ding. Got it. It's go. a
2: cougar. It's a cougar. Oh, play play that again. I I seriously thought it was a bird. Well, this is gonna be entertaining if I'm this far off all the time. <laughs> See, cause it's gonna do hang on. Keep keep playing it. Keep keep playing it. Right. This is Name the Animal on Inside Sports.
1: Apparently the cougar's name is Mac.
2: Oh, is it in captivity? It is. See, yes. that there I thought that maybe that was like a bird. Wow! like uh, spitting out water or something like maybe it- i'll
1: send you a link to this thing That's- later on reed but th- when it when it hisses we get a full-on
2: close-up of uh th- the mouth okay. and
1: probably what it had for lunch earlier
2: too so. see i i yeah i i struggle with that one i think if if, if, uh, if it was a cougar i guess this shows you how little i know about animals i would have thought it was more growly maybe so it was uh it was a cougar I got it on like the third or fourth guess. So no, no points for me for that one. I don't think
1: zero. it it was the first night. They'll they'll, they'll probably get progressively easier as the week goes on, but we'll see.
2: (laughs) Well, we'll we'll definitely keep doing that. That was, uh, I feel energized. I was like running 10 K tried. I I was actually nervous and I got it wrong. So now my, I can lower my expectations for, uh, tomorrow's animal. So that is, that is a cougar. So what's he doing in the video? Uh, he's uh,
1: sitting in his little uh, habitat he's got and uh, just meowing or
2: rowing, I guess. Just doing whatever. <laughs> just, just, just doing. doing. whatever cougars do. See, he sounds he doesn't doesn't sound happy to be. We get a we get a good he close up like,
1: of the of the cat. It's looking. You're at like
2: will do. I could do the English translation like I did with the elk. <laughs> Leave me alone. Wow. Or bring me food. Wow. I'm starving. Wow. Human pig, I detest you. That's the English translation. That's it. All right, well, that was Name the Animal. Hey, If you want to sponsor that segment, get in touch. Uh, your money's going to go a long, real long way if you pitch into that one. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was really good. It was a good day, I got to tell you. You, you know, the, the, the Santa's Day on 630, Chet, Huge success! Thanks to you, uh, two hundred eighty-one thousand dollars for six thirty. Chad Santa's anonymous. So we we greatly appreciate that. So many people chipped in. The Buchanan Family Foundation stepped up with hundred thousand dollars. We had Chelsea Lagrange from the Buchanan Family on the show. So just awesome stuff. You also heard from Matt Besco, Hal Gill, Wyatt McLeod, Johnny Boychuk, and a cougar named Mac, and an unnamed anonymous elk. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy's your studio operator. We're back at 6 tomorrow. We just may play animal sounds for two hours straight. What's stopping us? My name's Reed. Have a great night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.